Welcome to the Beacon broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com, beaconbaptist.com. The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. Well, we have been looking pretty extensively, pretty comprehensively at the opening verse, the first verse of of 1 Thessalonians, which contains the salutation. And we've talked about that, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And thus we see that this salutation identifies the author as Paul, who is joined in his greetings and his communication to them by Silvanus and Timothy, who are not co-authors, but who are present with Paul and in perfect agreement, perfect accord with Paul's words to them. Silvanus, who actually is Silas, we say Silas, but Paul in this case used his formal full name, Silvanus, and you remember he replaced Barnabas on the second missionary journey. That's a story in itself that I don't think I'm going to take time to go into now, but on the first missionary journey, it was Paul and Barnabas. In fact, when they started out, it was Barnabas and Saul. And then in the course of that journey, we find Paul's name changed from Saul to Paul. It just takes place without any fanfare, but it did take place. He dropped his his um, Hebrew name and took up a, a slightly different form, a Gentile name as the apostle to the Gentiles. But not only was his name changed from Saul to Paul, and we know him as Paul, but the leadership of that team changed. It started out as Barnabas and Saul, and before too many weeks had passed, it was now Paul and Barnabas. That's interesting. It's really interesting and worth studying, but I'm not going to take the time to do that because we've got to get on. If we're ever going to get into the body of this epistle, we've got to keep moving. But I do stop long enough to welcome you to this Wednesday, February 14 edition of the Beacon Broadcast. And thank you for remembering our financial needs to keep this teaching ministry on this station. So Paul, the author, accompanied in ministry by Silas and Timothy. Timothy was a young convert that Paul became acquainted with on his first missionary journey. You can read about that in Acts chapter 16. And he was taken along and was, in effect, a replacement for John Mark, who had gone along as a as a an assistant on the first missionary journey and then had quit and went home prematurely and that's what caused the 
the contention between Barnabas and Paul, and that's why Paul had to find a different partner for the second missionary journey, which he found in Silas, a mature and faithful man and highly recommended man from the church in Jerusalem, because Barnabas and Paul split. And Barnabas took John Mark that Paul was not willing to work with at this time, and he went one way and Paul went another. And they first, Paul and, Barn, or Paul and Silas now, and Timothy first, well, Paul and Silas, went first back to the, the territory of Galatia, where four churches had been founded on the first missionary journey. And in that revisiting the churches, that's where Timothy was brought to their attention as a promising young man. His testimony, his labors, his effectiveness, his fruitfulness was highly attested to by the churches of Galatia, and so Paul took him along, and he became the replacement for John Mark, and he proved to be more mature, more steadfast, more faithful, more persevering than John Mark was, but and I must only mention this in passing rather than going into detail, but it's very encouraging to realize that John Mark became a faithful and trusted partner in the gospel as time went on. And the, and the time came when Paul embraced him fully as a faithful and valuable member of the gospel team, but not now. And so Paul, Paul and Barnabas now in the place, or Paul and Silas now in the place of Barnabas, and Timothy in the place of John Mark are the ones that go on the second missionary journey. And they, as you recall, established a church first in Philippi, and then secondly in Thessalonica, the city that we're studying now, that this epistle was written to, and then beyond that in the city of Berea before. Paul went further south and established a church in the city of Corinth. And so that's what's going on here. And Paul is writing to this church with the standard form that letters followed in that day, identifying first the author and secondly the recipients and then followed by a standard greeting. So Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you. I pointed out, I think, yesterday that that word would have been, that a word very similar to that would have been found in secular epistles. It was the standard greeting of that day. But Paul changed it from the Greek word for rejoice or for greetings. He changed it to the Greek word for grace. Grace, God's grace and peace be extended to you, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just a perfunctory hello, not just a perfunctory greeting, not just a perfunctory have joy, which really didn't have a lot of meaning because it was just just uh, said in passing without any real thought. But no, instead, God's grace, God's unmerited favor be extended to you in such a way that it will bring you to true spiritual favor, prosperity, and well-being, and that's the peace. And we're going to go on from there 
to the verses that follow, which are loaded with teaching, important teaching, but I'd like to pause and make a few applications to what we have studied thus far. So please indulge me in doing so. And first of all, I'd like to talk a bit about gospel strategies. Now this goes back to the preparatory work we did in the book of Acts, studying how Paul chose what cities to go to. He went to Philippi and then traveled 100 miles by foot until he came to Thessalonica to his second city to visit in Macedonia. Why 100 miles before he stopped and preached again? Why not any of the cities and towns along the way? There's a strategy involved here, which is not, is not um, spelled out for us. We, we, ha- we could only learn it by studying carefully what happened. If we get a map and follow the course that Paul took on his missionary journeys, which is very advisable to do, and many study Bibles have such a map in the back where they will show the course of Paul's first missionary journey, show you the direction he took in the cities he visited, and then his second missionary journey, and then his third missionary journey. All of that is, is uh, mapped out in many Bibles, and if you would take the time to study that and say, well, let's take a look at where he went. He went to this city, this city, this city, this city. Why not that city, that city, that city, that city? We can see the cities he went to. We can see the cities that he bypassed. And what we realize is that Paul focused upon the most strategic cities in the sense that he he chose to exert his gospel labors in those cities where the gospel was most likely to be spread abroad. Large cities, commercial cities, in some cases cities with a military garrison. So there would be soldiers coming and going. Cities of great commercial enterprise. So there would be merchants coming and going and even their their slaves and their servants that were uh, carrying the goods and, and uh, unloading the boats and all the things that went with that. And they would be there, and then they would go on to another place. And Paul focused upon cities like that, knowing that if he, fa- if he effectively established a church in that town, that some of the people that were just passing through would be saved. We see that happening in the city of Ephesus, how that people went from there to other places, such as Colossae, and themselves planted churches that became, as it were, a grandchild to Paul's churches. If if we think of Paul as being the father and the church as being the child— then if there's a church that's established out of a church that Paul established himself, we would consider that to be a grandchild, and that's what happened in the city of Ephesus. We know that because the record is there. In fact, we even have an epistle in our New Testament to the Colossians, and Paul makes it clear that he'd never been there. He had never been to Colossae, and yet there was a church there that was established by someone that Paul 
brought the gospel to and then showed promise and wanted to be trained, and Paul trained him. And then he went back to Colossae and established a church. So Paul's strategy is vindicated by what we see in the case of Ephesus, and it is very likely that that story, something very similar to that, was repeated over and over and over again. If Paul had gone to the out-of-the-way places, to the villages, to the rural areas, the potential for this kind of multiplication was not nearly as great. Paul used a wise gospel strategy. Now, what do I want to say about this? Well, two things. Don't <laughs> don't uh, get, get on the wrong side of the road. Don't get in the ditch on either side of the truth that I'm suggesting here. There's some people that think that the the key to ministry is the right strategy. It's not. The key to ministry is obedience to Christ, faithfulness to Christ, and the blessing of the Holy Spirit upon your labors. With that, you will be fruitful wherever you go. Without that, you won't be eternally fruitful any place. But there are other people who are convinced that any kind of human strategy is automatically wrong. We don't depend upon strategies. We depend upon God. Tell that to the Apostle Paul, who depended upon God like nobody else did and depended upon God to make his strategies effective and fruitful. So Paul had a strategy about where to labor, where to labor, not how to present the gospel. He didn't change the gospel in order to have a better result. That would not be appropriate, but he did strategize as to where he would labor. And we will return to this tomorrow. Please join me then. Until then, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.